ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Suffering consciously, confronting illness and addiction. In this podcast, Eckhart answers questions about addiction and facing illness consciously. A woman who had cancer fears its return and the possibility of an early death. While difficult, Eckhart encourages her to practice presence by staying in the moment, this moment. He believes this is what allows for less opportunity to play out scenarios where death seems imminent. He urges her to release the mental gymnastics that plague all of us. He says it's imperative that we work with life's challenges and allow them to push us into awakening. Hi, Eckhart. My question has to do with a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer and every six months they scan my body to see if it's returned. And um, my poor little ego is starts suffering and becomes terrified and I don't know how to stay in the present. Um, I'm not suffering right at this moment with pain or with death imminent, but um, I veer into that panic quite often. And yeah, I, I get really scared that I will have a, a bad death in the sense that I won't be aware. I'll just be screaming mummy and my ego will take over and <laughs> Even though it's all future concepts, I know, but yeah. <laughs> so yes. how do I have a good death? <laughs> right. Well, thank you. That's a very relevant question to what we've been talking about. So you are, at the moment, you are free of cancer, but in your mind, there's a possibility that it may return and all the things that could happen as a consequence of that yes. leading to death. That means, of course, uh, you are more aware of mortality than you would otherwise be if this were not happening. You are much more aware now because you've been through one cancer episode and you got cured, but you are now much more acutely aware of uh, the proximity of death, the possibility of death, than a, a normal person would be. And that can be a bad thing because uh, it can take over your mind and lead to all kinds of very fearful thoughts, creating very fearful emotions. And it could consume the rest of your days, even if it cancer never disappears. In fact, it could be just almost worse than the actual condition. So. There's a, here we need to look at that. My recommendation is 
that you accept or you use this situation and allow it to force you more into the present moment. Because you will notice that when you leave the present moment, you begin to suffer. Your mind, your, in your mind, you leave the present moment. You create a future scenario where the cancer has reappeared. You suffer much more than an, a, in, a, in an ordinary life, a person who does not face this situation that you are facing. It is also true that when they leave the present moment, they tend to suffer more, but much more true in your case. So life has created a situation for you that makes it abundantly clear that leaving the present moment is the beginning of suffering. So if you want to end the suffering, you can use the situation and allow it, I use the term force, to force you into the present moment. And then in the present moment, here you are, less thinking happens in the present moment. You, be, you will notice the more present you become, the less you are burdened by unnecessary mind activity. And there are lots of spaces of just awareness. You're in nature, you look at the sky, you're present. And there's an, this, this alertness fills, can fill your entire body, one could almost say. With every, you're alert with every cell of your body. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. And here you are. Every moment is precious because ultimately there isn't every moment. There's only ever this one moment. It takes on different forms, but it's only ever this one moment. And then you notice every time you leave the present moment, suffering arises again. That's an alarm clock. This is the alarm signal for you to say, come back to the present moment. And so use the situation uh, can be enormously helpful in like a very strict, stern spiritual teacher. <laughs> uh, forcing you to be present. Of course, if you don't want to be present, then it means uh, you want to suffer. That's fine. You are always you're allowed to suffer, but you realize where suffering arises. 
the most powerful motivator for spiritual awakening, more powerful than wanting to achieve enlightenment. It can be deceptive. What I want to achieve enlightenment this is the highest version of me that I can think of. That can be an illusion, probably is. But the motivation to be free of suffering, that can be a very powerful thing. I want to be free of suffering. And that that entails and implies many other things, a shift, a change in your consciousness where suffering arises. This is the reason why, again, coming back to the Buddha and Jesus, this is why the Buddha, the essence of the Buddha's teaching, the essence was actually not enlightenment. The essence of the Buddha's teaching was the end of suffering. That's the very essence of the original teaching of the Buddha, the end of suffering. I believe enlightenment was added later by, by followers of the Buddha, which is not totally untrue, but it can be very misleading. The Buddha himself, I'm sure, the emphasis of his teaching was the end of suffering. As he said, sometimes with these teachers, Buddha goes back 2,500 years, Sometimes you don't actually get what they said. You get what later the disciples wrote, sometimes centuries later. But there are, one, there are a few terms that are so powerfully true that I'm sure Buddha almost literally said it. And so he said, I teach suffering and the end of suffering, which means I show you how suffering arises and I show you how it can end. That's, now, I've just explained the essence of Buddhism. So, it's Christianity, Christ, or rather, Jesus' teaching uh, is the kingdom of heaven or the fullness of life, another term Jesus uses. I want you to have the fullness of life. Or I want you to show the kingdom of heaven that is within you here and now. Same thing, you can't have the fullness of life when you're suffering. <laughs> so Jesus talks about what is there when suffering comes to an end. Buddha does not talk about what is there when suffering comes to an end. He says you don't need to talk about it. It arises naturally. When suffering comes to an end, the essence of who you are arises naturally. There's no need to talk about it. <laughs> That's why Buddha didn't talk about the God that is within you or the, what, anything like that. No need to talk about it. Just bring about the end of suffering. <laughs> then we have the fullness of life. Yes, same thing, expressed in positive terms. The kingdom of heaven, which is, as you probably know, in my translation, <laughs> what is translated in the Bible as the kingdom of heaven, I have retranslated it into modern terminology. <laughs> um, kingdom is no longer a term that modern humans relate to. Might be that they're not well. They're still the United Kingdom, but <laughs> normally there are not that many kingdoms anymore. Kingdom was a big thing at the time, so I let go of the term kingdom. What really is talking about when he says kingdom is dimension, the dimension, the dimension of now of what of heaven. Now, what is heaven? Again, heaven is, is an analogy he used. It means the sky, because heaven and sky are the same word in many languages, and probably also in Jesus' language, 
Aramaic, in, in French, in Spanish, in German, the heaven is the same word as the sky. Ciel, cielo, himmel, sky. The dimension of the sky, sky is an analogy, means he's using a term from the sense-perceived world in order to point to something that is beyond the sense-perceived world. And the closest term he could find in the sense-perceived world is the vastness of the sky, the empty spaciousness of the sky, because the sky is spaciousness itself. So he very, that was actually quite very wise and clever to use that term, the, the closest that you can get to the formless consciousness in the sense-perceived world is to point to the vast spaciousness of the sky. Because we're talking here about the spaciousness of awareness, of consciousness without objects, just consciousness. I call it sometimes space consciousness as opposed to object consciousness. Object consciousness is the world of things, including thoughts. Space consciousness is awareness, presence, awareness of awareness. So the dimension of spaciousness, that's my translation of the kingdom of heaven, the dimension of spaciousness, which is within you, which is a dimension of consciousness that is in every human being, does not need to be achieved because it's already there. So it's not an achievement, it's a discovery. Now that's good news because if it's an achievement, then you, you, you might never, how long is it going to take me to find it? You bring in time. If you think in terms of achievement, you have to bring in time. One day you will achieve enlightenment. Okay, how many lifetimes? Well, I'll give you about 25. <laughs> oh dear, it's a long time to wait. That's when you think in terms of achievement. But it's not an achievement. It's a realization of what's already there. The, the essence of who you are is already there in every human being. It's just not recognized. You haven't found it. Well, you have, but many humans haven't found it. They don't know it's there. And when they don't know it's there, it is as if it weren't there. <laughs> and they live and act as if it weren't there. And that brings in the craziness into this world. They're deluded. They sense they're, they're acting from a basis of a deluded sense of identity. A deluded sense of self, which is the ego, personal and collective. It's often a mixture of the two. Collective ego, us against them, personal ego, me against him or her, whatever it may be. So that's the your practice then is uh, awareness practice continuously, the escape from suffering. And you have a strong motivation now to escape from suffering it because so it can be the most wonderful thing actually that's happened to you and the same can be practiced even i have known people who were very close to actual death they knew I, I only have a few more two more months or something and even then it didn't matter how much time was left they were still able to go suddenly very deep
and uh, some people to experience a miraculous transformation where the personality dissolved almost completely and there was just a luminous being there and then a few weeks later they died which means that their life was totally fulfilled because the flowering of consciousness happened through them thank you hi edgar hi uh, an honor and a pleasure to for you to have some time to answer my question uh, so my question is related about addictions uh, one of the biggest challenges for humans in the in the path of awakening and spirituality in general are addictions uh, some of them can be very destructive and dysfunctional um, thinking itself can be one of the greatest addictions some of us can have uh, others directly affect uh, the health relationships self-care and whole families and communities so how can one deal with this type of addictions uh, like alcohol, drugs, porn, eating, etc., uh, how can how can one keep on the path of the change uh, when sometimes it's very discouraging when you feel powerless, when you feel that uh, your willpower is not there anymore, that that something else inside of you is governing your life and, and taking the wrong decisions for you when you know it. It's very, very discouraged. How can one avoid the pain of, fail, of falling back into the darkness of this world? How can one stay awake in the moment of temptations and weakness? Thank you. Thank you. Very good question. Thank you. So uh, now, as you know, there are many degrees of addiction. Some are uh, such a grip on you that uh, for example, addicted to a drug like heroin, which is very destructive, or some alcohol addictions to maybe some others. They have such a grip on you that uh, you cannot get out beyond be, without some help, some external help. With some, you may need some external help, like a structure, like for many, many thousands of people have been helped through Alcoholic Anonymous, AA, uh, what they have devised. And for heroin too, um, that all similar things, the, the, this thing has such power over you, it's like, an, like a form of possession, that uh, you need some help. And even if you get help in a structured setting to, to helping to free you, when you come out again, the danger after a while arises again. Although then there's there's a possibility of doing something about it. Let's let's look at um, other addictions that arise, like overeating or drinking, but not perhaps the most destructive form of alcoholism. But nevertheless, not being able to live without consume a large, fairly large amounts every day, still functioning perhaps, for, but, not, not, but not being able to stop it. Addiction always means it is stronger than you, then we can call it addiction. Sometimes people lie to themselves, they say, oh, I could stop, but I just don't want to. But that very often is a lie, they lie to themselves because they, they confuse can with uh, being able to and not wanting to, but they say, I don't want to, but they can't. <laughs> this is why an alcoholic anonymous, although I have no personal experience with it, but I've heard 
accounts from people, one of the first things you have to do there is to say, I am an alcoholic. I can see why they do that. I would change the, the way it's phrased because if you say, I am an alcoholic, you make being an alcoholic into your identity. Once you've made it into your identity, it seems it's harder to become free of it. <laughs> so, but to say, I, I am addicted to alcohol, that is the truth. I cannot, I've tried, but I cannot stop. That is the truth. That's fine. Although I would not recommend to say, I am an alcoholic. And even to say, I am an addict, which it looks, might look honest, but it's ultimately not the case. This is not who you are. You are not an alcoholic. You are not an addict. It is something that has taken possession of you, but it is not you. So, so let's say you can still function. There's maybe overeating, there's um, alcohol every day. And often people need to reach a certain discomfort, a certain amount of suffering, so they realize what's happening to them. They reach a certain point where it's beginning to create some form of suffering in their lives, affect the physical body, whatever it may be, whatever form, affect the way in which the mind functions and they realize it's no longer function. So you have to reach the point where you're beginning to realize there's something wrong, it's affecting how I function in this world. Until you reach that point, you're probably happy with your addiction and you're actually enjoying it. But every person who is addicted to something will reach, sooner or later, will reach the point where they realize it's affecting their life in one way or another, and they have, they have to do something. And then there comes the possibility of the question is, is there awareness, enough awareness in you so that you can bring some awareness into the compulsive behavior? For example, a person who overeats habitually, and again, why are they doing this? Before I carry on, I just wanted to mention this thing. Why are they doing this? Why do they have the compulsion to overeat? Why do they have the compulsion to have have these these drinks every day? In many cases, there's something they don't want to look at within themselves. There's there's certain emotional, mental states that are painful, and in order to escape from this pain of certain emotional, mental states, they would rather ingest some substance in order to dull the pain to some extent. And temporarily it works, temporarily only. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you, if you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Inevitably, when you use a substance to dull some form of pain that you don't want to face, eventually the pain will get worse. And eventually the substance will no longer work for you except in larger and larger doses. And in larger and larger doses, it affects the body and the mind more and more adversely. So this, this is how the, the cycle of suffering that happens. So it, it often begins with a, an, in, an unwillingness to endure suffering, mental, emotional suffering, an escape from suffering. And suffering can even be, let's say some teenagers start take drugs, they, they, it's, it's offered, they, they start taking a drug. Why do they take it? Well, they might say they want, to, they want to experience the excitement of this high, they want some high. Why do they want a high? Perhaps they don't feel any, any high, any deep sense of aliveness in their ordinary life. Perhaps there's a lot of frustration already building up in their ordinary life, a lot of unhappiness building up in their ordinary life. And if they want to experience a high, the reason already could be their normal state is not, is not all that pleasant, and which is undoubtedly the case for many youngsters. Their normal state is not pleasant. Probably these days less pleasant than, it, than in, the, in the past. So there's a, the beginning of it is always a sense of there's something not quite right, but I don't want to face it. It's a, I'm verbalizing it, it's not consciously expressed, usually. And adults do it too. They, they come to us some suffering, emotional, mental suffering through a life situation, and they don't want to feel this any suffering anymore. So they go, there's also the drugs that are prescription drugs, which are huge, 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 for even for children, many. Uh, and again, are they all in extreme cases? They may do some temporary good, but in many, many other cases, they don't. They remove the possibility for you to, to use the suffering as a way of becoming more conscious. So a very vital thing, and it, this could be taught to youngsters too, when, you, when there's a, an unsatisfying mental emotional state and you begin to suffer anger, fear, irritation, uh, anxiety is a very big one, or some depressive state, a deep sadness, nihilistic state, nihilism is a very common disease these days. Nihilism means it's all purposeless, nothing, what's the point of it all? Nothing makes sense. Why even do anything? Why even make an effort? It's nihilism, though the world is pointless, meaningless. Nihilism started very strongly when uh, Darwin, I would say, with Darwin, uh, because the, really what Darwin was implying, if even though he wasn't saying it, he was implying that the, the entire universe is an accident. It's an arbitrary, these life forms have accidentally come into being. It's random formations. There's no, nothing, no meaning behind it. There's no intelligence behind it. These are random accidental formations. 
that's the theory of evolution. Of undoubtedly there is evolution, but humans believe that there's that there's no intelligence behind it. That's the essence really of Darwin's theory of evolution is these are random formations over millions of years, but no intelligence that is guiding the evolution. He wasn't never looked at that. Or well, he had some abstract in a different compartment in his mind, Darwin still talked about God, but that different companies might have nothing to do with his theory anymore. <laughs> so he had, there was a draw in his mind in which he put the concept God, and then he went on with his theory of evolution. And that was the beginning of, of a, it took quite a while before that seeped into the collective consciousness of humanity, because even people who have never even heard of Darwin are now affected by it. <laughs> that, that it's, the universe is basically pointless. Now, there's always been humans around that experience that state of consciousness of that we call nihilism. It's not, there have been isolated humans throughout history, but nowadays we have a large segment of humanity is affected by the disease of nihilism. And for many, drugs are the solution. By the way, if you want to read the Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a wonderful work of literature, which has really shouldn't be in the Bible, but it's a great literature. It starts with a famous, the famous sentence, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's the beginning of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Now, vanity in modern term means uh, pointlessness. Vanity of vanity, or oh, everything is utterly pointless. This this person who wrote this book of Ecclesiastes wrote about whatever you do in your life is ultimately meaningless because you're going to die anyway. So I assume that was an old man who had come close to the end of his life and said, "What's this all about? It's nothing." <laughs> and then he wrote a literary masterpiece, but it's not a spiritual work at all. <laughs> is not even religious, but it found its way into the Bible miraculously, but it's worth reading. So it's, it shows the state of nihilism, uh, Ecclesiastes. Now, humans miss a great opportunity when they immediately run away from unsatisfying in states of whatever their mental emotional state is. If they're able to endure the suffering for a while, suffering instead of immediately wanting to run away from it. And the suffering that comes, there's a very important term here in spirituality, very, very important to do with suffering, and that is suffer consciously. When suffering arises, don't run away from it. Look at it, feel it, see perhaps how it arises. Does it arise from some situation outside? Does it arise in your mind? But don't run away from it. So that you don't so you don't make it bigger than you. It's not bigger than you. And as you face suffering, it's of course not comfortable at first to face suffering and to endure it, to con to suffer consciously, but it brings about an evolution in consciousness, a deepening in yourself. If you give yourself 
this opportunity as suffering arises, then suffer. So now let's give you a simple, very simple example from everyday life. Let's see your addiction is overeating. Many people who overeat say that uh, often they find themselves munching on something and they don't even know when they started. It's, it's just so unconscious. I had a friend who was had a very big problem many years ago with overeating. And he said to me often, he would find himself at night sitting at the kitchen table and biting into some cookies or cream cake or donuts and eating it. And he, he couldn't even remember how, how, how he got there, how it got into his mouth. He went to the fridge unconsciously, he reached into the fridge and went back to the kitchen table and started munching. And suddenly, oh, I'm munching a donut again. And then he said, and this is well, symptom, symptomatic for many of these cases, almost every time his mind <laughs> found, now he was telling me this because he was already becoming conscious of it. So his mind then, every time he did discover that he was doing, engaged in this addictive behavior, his mind would, would find an excuse and it would formulate something like, you've had a rough day, you really deserve a treat. It's been such a rough day. Or it would say something like, well, why don't you? It's the only pleasure you've got in your life, the only one that's left. Everything has been taken away from you. So you might as well do it. It's got nothing left. <laughs> and for many years, he believed in these thoughts. <laughs> and as awareness rose, he could suddenly look at that thought and see how deceptive it was, justifying it was an egoic thought, ultimately self-destructive. <laughs> it's an enormous realization that he was just, his mind was justifying his addictive behavior. And then I, I had conversations with him that gradually he was able to become conscious, more conscious. I suggested to him, I suggested to anybody, not just overeating, but also drinking, for example, or other forms of addiction, or even the cell phone addictions. When you feel the addictive urge coming, to, to be able to feel the addictive urge already implies that there's some awareness there. So you're not immediately completely taken over by the, you can feel the desire to have a drink. And then you're already looking where is the, the whiskey is over there. So you have to go there and get a glass out of the cupboard. So the desire rises. If there's not awareness, create a gap between, I'm not immediately saying you must no longer engage in this addictive behavior, that's too much to ask. But to initially create a gap between the realization that this desire is now arisen and fulfilling the desire. So if you feel the desire to have a drink or to go to the fridge because there's a cream cake waiting for you there and you've had a rough day, <laughs> so bring about a gap between doing it and observe the urge to do it. And the urge to do it is not pleasant. It's a form of suffering because you're not giving it what it wants. 
So the, the urge to do it is there, but you shine the light of your awareness on it. And you can do that for five minutes every time before you indulge in whatever behavior it is, vindictive. And in some cases, you may find that the urge diminishes and disappears temporarily. Then, of course, yes, it will reappear again. And another opportunity arises for you to create a gap. Give yourself five minutes. So you say, don't say to yourself, I must not drink and I will not drink. That may not work. Or I must not eat this green cake. No, may not work. But five minutes, give yourself five minutes. What does it feel like, this urge in you? Is it pleasant? No, but it is. There it is. Feel it. Give yourself space. So the urge itself, the addiction in you, can, can bring about more consciousness. You're, while you're not fulfilling the addiction, yes, you are, are suffering in some way, but that's conscious suffering. And conscious suffering is enormously helpful in the evolution of your consciousness. Conscious suffering. So I recommend that to anybody if they feel tempted People are, especially in present times, where many people are experiencing restrictions on their, on their life, even now still going on in many places, when the pandemic still lockdowns, the pandemic still into some places still happening and leading to a lot of, lot of suffering in many humans. Uh, children too, many, many children suffering. As suffering arises, don't try to, to dull it or remove it or try to run away from it. Be with it for a while. And you begin to realize that it is not stronger than you. Conscious suffering, you consciously endure it. And then you may also find, because there's an awareness there, you may also find that a lot of the suffering might have been created by certain thoughts in your head. You had certain unpleasant thoughts that created this the thoughts that were telling you, for example, I can't take any more of this. This is whole dreadful. My life, what's my life come to? It's totally pointless. Why am I even here? Totally, utterly pointless. You got suddenly you observe these thoughts. Hmm. These thoughts make you suffer. Yes. But you've brought in awareness. So conscious suffering is a key for many people to spiritual realization and awakening is instead of running away from states of suffering, bring awareness to them, accept them, bring in time limits, if you like, as I suggested, uh, similar to this, you need to have compulsively grasping this every five minutes, there must be something new here. Oh. And this is a terrible thing. I mean, it's a wonderful technology. It's miraculous. It's incredible, but it's also terrible. If it's misused and if it takes hold to possession of you, it's terrible. And again, if you feel the urge to, let's say you're waiting somewhere, you're at the elevator or in a waiting room or the, there's a lineup and everybody's on there while they're waiting, almost everybody you can see is on, and you can feel your hand reaching into your pocket or your back to get out yours too, because everybody else is doing it. There must be something here to look at. And at that moment, observe the urge, but don't do it. Just 
stay with the urge, feel it, observe it. There it is. And after a few minutes, two or three, you may find they temporarily subsides. And then you're free for a little while of the urge. And then it may come back. And then you do it again. You feel the urge rising, but don't do anything about it. There it is. And then it, it may happen that you forget yourself. And it may happen that suddenly you find, oh, I've been five minutes, I've been on this already. I didn't even know how it got into my hand. It just appeared in my hand. <laughs> this happens too, that's fine. You can't succeed every time yet. That's fine. But again, even to, even this to, for people, especially youngsters, unfortunately, to deprive a person of this thing for a day would lead to enormous suffering in many people. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, not long ago, nobody had it. <laughs> and now to deprive a person of this for one day would lead to suffering. But it also would be a wonderful opportunity for awakening if you can face the suffering and suffer consciously, and perhaps at the end of the day, you would, you would be taste a certain amount of freedom, and you'd suddenly be able to engage again with other human beings and with nature instead of the virtual world, which for many people, especially young people, the virtual world is more real than the real world. It's dreadful dreadful addiction. So addiction is the escape from suffering, but it doesn't work. And this escape from suffering eventually leads to even more suffering. But even then, you can still cover consciously, let's say you have been addicted, leads to more suffering. The opportunity there again is to cover consciously. This is a very, it's a very deep secret for spiritual realization. And it's the why suffering is an important part of the illusion of human consciousness, as expressed by the Buddha. I teach suffering and the end of suffering. It's an essential part of the teaching. Without suffering, there wouldn't be awakening, of course. It's also expressed in the, the image of a person who is su dreadful suffering on a cross. No, he is certainly suffering. It's a central image of Christianity is the image of suffering. And the central teaching of the Buddha is the teaching of suffering. And in the case of Christianity, Jesus is the archetypal human. And the archetypal human is the human who goes through this dreadful suffering and then dies and then re-emerges. And so that contains a deep wisdom not not through words, but it's embodied in that. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, thank you for your question. It was great. Thank you. I hope that's helpful. So let's uh, stop here and a uh, moment of stillness. Don't need to call it meditation. Just a moment of just awareness. Just aware of what is here now and aware of yourself, aware of yourself as the presence.
not the person. I am. That's the deepest knowing I am. And it certainly is not complicated. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.